you would take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We are going to read, beginning of verse 20. And uh, uh, many of you will remember from just from studying the Word of God, this 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a key passage on the resurrection of Christ. Um, Paul gives... Um, he, he, he begins to outline different results that would be true if Christ had not risen from the dead. But we see that Christ is risen from the dead. So all of those things that he laid out um, were uh, done away with because Christ is risen. We're going to pick it up here in verse 20. The scripture here says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Throughout Scripture, God uses key words like and as to explain truth to us. Over and again, He does this to reveal to our minds His mind and His will. And we have one of these key words, the like and as. We have that here in our passage this morning. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. The truth that we're going to look at this morning... um, In this text, we're going to see the reality of death. Uh, I am Holdeman, a great Baptist pastor. We've mentioned him over and over again here um, in the early 1900s. He was a pastor in, in New York City. He says this about death. He says, Death is dreaded while expected. Every precaution is taken to shut out the idea or even the mention of it. Men turn from it as from a grisly thing, a reptile, a monster, an indefinable horror. The sudden coming of an environment that seems to make mockery of the days of joy, the hours that seemed interminable in their sorrow, an unheard laughter of derision over all past energy, trial, and effort. Everything in man revolts against death. His mind, his body, the very pain and disease in him are the protests of life against the undoing of death. And what we're going to see from this text this morning, we're going to notice two positions and the two results of those positions in our our text. The first position is in Adam. The scripture says, as in Adam, all die. So if the first position is in Adam, what does that mean? What does it mean to be in Adam? Well, hold your place here in 1 Corinthians. You might, um, and look back with me at Genesis chapter 5 and verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 5. And as you hear our pastor say often, if you need to hold your place there in 1 Corinthians, just tear a map out of the back of your Bible. Not like you use them anyway. Genesis chapter 5 and verses 1 through 3. What does it mean to be in Adam? In Genesis chapter 5 and starting in verse 1, he says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived in 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now, what does it mean to be an Adam? It means to be a natural descendant of Adam. But here the scripture says that Adam's descendants, that when Adam began to have sons with Cain and Abel and here with Seth, that they were made in his likeness. After his image. But when God first made Adam, God created Adam in God's likeness and in God's image. Notice this with me um, how God created man in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. 
In Genesis chapter 1, just a few chapters before that, in verse 26, the Scripture says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle. So God here makes man in His image. In the, in the image of the Trinity there, we have, um, obviously, He says, Let us make man in our image. Uh, and the Godhead is not denied in the Scriptures. We see there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, one being and three persons. They are co-eternal, co-equal, co-existent, eternally existent. Uh, Jesus Christ did not begin in the manger. He was eternally existent. And here in the scriptures, God says, let us make man in our image. And then when we just read in Genesis chapter 5, Adam begins to have sons and daughters after his image, after his likeness. So what happened that changed the image, that changed the likeness? Well, look in Genesis chapter 2 with me. There was something that happened that changed this image, that marred this image. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9, the, God says, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In verse, 17, or verse 16, the scripture says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Look with me in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. And this is, a, this is an account that many of us are familiar with. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now did God tell them that? He actually said, every tree you can eat of except this one. And Satan comes in planting that doubt saying, did God say, is God this big mean guy that he just says you can't eat of every tree? I mean, isn't God going to let you do anything? You know, you children, if you have any friends that try and tell you your parents don't let you do anything, you need to tell them to be quiet and just do what your parents tell you. Amen. All right, got a couple of amens on that. All right. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they were uh, naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So what does it mean to be in Adam? We see from the scriptures that in Genesis 5, that, God, that Adam, after they sin in the garden, God removes them from the garden, he says, unless they should eat of the tree of life and live forever. And he had told them that if they were to eat of that fruit of the tree, they would surely die. 
And in that moment that they ate of the fruit, Adam didn't keel over physically dead, but he began to physically die. But he died spiritually. You and I, we are created with a spirit, soul, and a body. But since Adam sinned in the garden, we are created dead spirit, soul, and body. And to be in Adam simply means this, that, it, that Adam's children were made in his likeness and in his image. Though Adam was created originally in the image of God, now because of sin, that image was marred. It was tainted. Go with me here in Romans chapter 5 and look at verse 12. Paul does a, Romans is such a doctrinal book. And he just uh, continues to, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, really identify for us this problem. You know, and many in this day, many even in religious circles, would love to do away with the reality of the Genesis account. But the story of Adam and Eve, it's not just a story. It's not just a folklore. It's, a, it's, a, it's an account that really happened. And God is going to reveal truth to us here in the New Testament and build upon what has happened here in Genesis. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, the scripture says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and we know that man, that man was Adam, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, so the scripture says, as in Adam, all die. Well, why do men die? Because we haven't inherited a sin, the sin nature from Adam. Psalm uh, 51, 5 says it this way. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And you go watch any daytime show, and you will hear the counsel of this world. And the counsel of this world is to follow your own what? Just follow your own heart. And the Scripture says that your heart is deceitfully wicked. Psalm, it says that, that we were shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So we are sinners both by birth and then by choice. If we were to list the Ten Commandments here today and say, Thou shalt uh, have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Honor thy father and thy mother. And if we were to go down through the list, I guarantee that every one of you in here would find a place in those Ten Commandments in which you and I stand guilty before God, having broken that commandment. Because we are sinners not just by birth, we have inherited that sin nature, but because you and I choose to sin. And when you go back, and, and we just read through that Genesis account there with Adam and Eve, could you imagine watching that, that event unfold, knowing what we do now? Can you imagine if you were to just able to stand off to the side and, and it's, Satan is beguiling Eve and talking her into this. And God has given them... Did God give them one tree to eat of and then tell them not to eat of it? No. How many trees did God give them? The Scripture doesn't say, but it says every tree in the garden they could have eaten of. There was one tree, one commandment. God said, the day that you eat of it, there's a penalty. Thou shalt surely die. Can you imagine standing off to the side as Satan was beguiling Eve? And, and maybe you, you, like me, would want to shout out, Listen, th there are many trees. Go, go to this tree. Don't listen to him. Don't eat of that because God is true. He's not a liar. And, and you would have tried to you maybe shout out and convince, but God didn't allow any of us to do that. He allowed Adam and Eve to make a choice. And God has allowed you to make a choice. Every day, God has given you the choice to obey him, or to disobey Him. And in our nature, we have are sinners and we have disobeyed God. 
And in our choices, we have disobeyed God. So the Scripture gives us this first position, and that first position here is in Adam. But not only is there the position, but what is the result of being in Adam? And unless you're from a, you know another planet this morning, you're here. You are an offspring of Adam, ultimately Adam and Eve. Um, some of the kids down here I wonder about, but kind of from the planet Zarkon or something cool like that, right? Marvel Comics. Um, what is the result of being in Adam? As in Adam, all die. And we said it before, spiritually, we're born spiritually dead. But physically, we will die as well. Look at Psalm 49. Uh, the psalmist here paints uh, just a, an amazing picture of this truth. Death is a reality that man cannot escape, no matter how hard he tries. Psalm 49, the scripture says, Hear this, all ye people. Give ear and all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore shall I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever, that he should, not, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. So what has he just said there? He's listening. He's saying, listen, all people... All inhabitants of the earth. He is, he is making sure that everybody understands not one person is excluded. And it doesn't matter what uh, economic background. He says both low and high, rich and poor. It does not matter. He says, can the rich man redeem his brother through his wealth? Is there, a, is there an amount of money that a person can give to keep someone else from dying? Ultimately, no. You can give a certain amount, and we understand with our scientific advances that we can keep people alive longer that may have passed away sooner, but no man can by any means redeem his brother from death. Verse 10 says, For he seeth that the wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. So it doesn't matter whether they're rich or poor, whether they're very a very intellectually smart person or, or a foolish person that just can't seem to make a right decision. He said there's no difference. They all die. Whether they're brutes, whether uh, they're, they're animalistic in their nature and unrestrained, or whether they're a very refined person, death, it touches all. He says in verse 11, Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. And they call their lands after their own names. Here, you know, they're, they're passing on their land, they're passing on that inheritance, and they're naming their house, they're naming their property after their name so that it would stay in their family and they, they do not consider death would come upon them. Verse 12 says, Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not, he is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Verse 16 says, Be not afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. And you've heard our pastor mention over and over again, there's never a U-Haul trailing a hearse. You know, when you die, that's it. Uh, Job says, naked I came to this world, and naked I returned to, to, to God. And verse 18 says, Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. And here's a key summary of what he has just said. Man that is in honor and understandeth not 
is like the beasts that perish. You know, that's a pretty dark picture, isn't it? The fact that death, it, 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 um, it has no respect of persons. So we see that there's a position, and that position is in Adam. And no one is exempt from that position. We are all in Adam. And as in Adam, all die. There's very good news. Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. Look here in Psalm 49. Look at verse number um, 15. The scripture says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. And this psalmist, he looked forward to that day when he would be risen again with his Lord. Um, look back with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where we begin with our text this morning. I am Haldeman here. He said this of death. You know, so many people try to postpone it. He said, Nay, all the genius, all the ability, learning, and skill of man are engaged in thwarting the approach of death. It is owned as an enemy. Barricades are thrown up against it. The knife of the surgeon is sharpened to cut out anything that may be an ally. The whole of aim of life is to resist death, and an exact proportion to life is the resistance. So you have here in Adam, all die. But even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. Let's look at this second position because for to have life, to have eternal life and abundant life, we must be in Christ. So to be in Adam meant you were born into the family of Adam. To be in Christ means you are born into the family of God. We see this here in uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. The word of God here says, For if by one man's offense... Death reigned by one. We saw that through Adam, right? Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Eternal life is the complete gift of God. There's not one ounce of one good work that you or I can do to earn the grace of God. Because he says here, which we receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men into justification of life. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect sinless son of God lived the life that you and I cannot live live the life that you and I did not choose to live in that he obeyed God in every part of the law he was completely and wholly obedient to the law of God so that by his righteousness and his sacrifice for us on the cross his death burial, and resurrection you and I can be saved it's through his gift it's through his life the scripture says in second Corinthians that he hath made him Christ to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. You and I are saved. We are placed in Christ by grace through faith. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. I said a moment ago that to be in Adam's family, you were born into that family. And we all naturally are born that way. Well, to be in Christ, you must be born that way. You must be born into Christ. And we see this here, that we are placed into Christ by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 12, says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit." 
when does this happen? When does the Spirit baptize a person into Christ? Look with me at Ephesians chapter 1. Just a few books after 1 Corinthians. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12 says that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. When were you and I placed into the body of Christ? At the moment you accepted the free gift of eternal life. The moment you place your faith and trust in Christ, you are saved. And not only are you saved, but you're sealed. Verse 14 says that the Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Aren't you glad that right there doesn't say until you sin the next time? Or until you sin really, really bad? Or until you turn your back on God? No, you are sealed by the Spirit of God. So here's the deal. The first position that we looked at from our verse is, As in Adam, all die. That is a universal truth. There will be none. Uh, Psalm 49 shows us that whether you're rich, poor, whether you're intellectually like myself, or whether, you know, no, whether you're smart or you're dumb, it, it does not matter. Death is no respecter of persons. For as in Adam, all die. And they do die. And the scripture says that after we physically die, the Bible describes in Revelation 21.8, it says, And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. As in Adam, all die. And as true as that is, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Are you in Christ this morning? then you are spiritual. We said in Adam, you're born spiritually dead, but you're physically alive and your soul is alive. In Christ, you are spiritually made alive. Look at Ephesians. We're here in Ephesians. Look at chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened. That quickened, it means to to make alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see there the result of our our, uh, Adamic nature, the result of our inheritance in our... The result of our inherent nature is that we were dead in trespasses and sins. So what does it mean to be in Christ? It means that you have, by faith, placed your trust in Christ, sealed what you are, sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, and He places you into the body of Christ. John 5.24 says it this way, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So not only in Christ are you made spiritually alive, but there's coming a day in which you will be risen again, which you will rise again, and you will be made alive physically with the Lord. We're here in Ephesians. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and this is one of the key passages on the rapture. If you're not very familiar with the rapture, um, many times people are a little more familiar with the tribulation than they are the rapture. There are people, I'm sure, today that think we're in the, in the tribulation, but that's just not true. And on God's prophetic timetable, we believe in the imminence, the imminent return of Christ. That just simply means that there is no event on God's calendar. Not one prophecy has to be fulfilled in order for the Lord to return. It could happen at any moment. It could happen today. It could happen five minutes from now. It could happen five years from now. It is, we don't know. There, there's not one more thing that has to happen. But in this age of grace, when people are receiving the free gift of life through Christ, there will be 
that one last person that God allows them to hear the gospel and their heart is convicted about their sin and they see their need for Jesus Christ and they see his sacrifice on the cross and, and that he was risen uh, from the dead three days after he died. And they'll see that and they'll receive Christ. And in that moment, we're out of here. And we're going to look at that, the description of that here in First Thessalonians chapter 5. He says in verse number 14. I'm sorry, it is First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 14. I gave you the wrong chapter there. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep, where? In Jesus will God bring with Him. You see, and, and you guys know, that position is consistently identified in Scripture. Are you in Christ? Are you in Jesus? Are they in Christ? And those who are asleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. What's the authority? The scripture, the word of God, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now, what's amazing to me is Paul is writing this and God inspired him to do it this way, that Paul, they were looking for the Lord to return in his day. They were living their lives saying, listen, there are some of us that are still going to be alive. And when he comes back, look at what happens for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ, shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The scripture describes it this way. How quickly it's going to happen? It says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And so not only are there no prophetic events that have to happen in order for Christ to return, but there's basically, it could be less than an eye blink that separates you from the Lord's return. That's an awesome thought. Are you, are you looking for Him to come back? Are you ready for Him to come? The Scripture says, As in Adam, all die. As true as that is, in Christ shall all be made alive. If you are in Christ this morning, you have been made alive spiritually. And there is coming a day when the Lord returns and if you're still alive, you will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. But there's not one of you that he is going to lose. Because notice this, as an Adam all die, is there anybody on the is there anybody that has ever lived that that's not been true for? No. So as true as that is, is there any believer that's ever going to be in Christ and then they don't rise from the dead or God kicks them out of his family, says, "No, nah, you've been a little too bad this week." No. So as an Adam, all die. That's a truth we need to understand. Have you realized that in your life? Have you come to the place where you've realized that you're a sinner and your sin has separated you from God? As an Adam, all die. That's the penalty. That's the payment that we deserve. Not only physical death, but a spiritual, eternal death apart from God forever in a lake of fire in hell. If you've come to the place where you've realized that and you've by faith accepted Christ, you're in Christ. Are you looking forward to Him coming? Do you realize that you, because now you have the Spirit of God, you're able to understand the Word of God. God is able to reveal His heart and His mind to you, and you can know God's plan and purpose for your family. You can know God's plan and purpose for your life. Teenager, you can know God's plan and purpose for how you ought to live at school and what He wants you to do, uh, what college He wants you to go to. You can understand the mind of the Spirit because you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. You and I need to be a testimony and can be a testimony to this lost and dying world because we know Christ and we are in Christ. So as an Adam, all die. 
Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. This morning, do you understand that all of us are born in Adam? Have you come to the place where you know that you are in Christ? If not, I want to encourage you this morning to come and find myself, one of our leaders here after the service, and we would love nothing more than to take the Word of God and show you, just like somebody showed me, just like somebody showed so many of you here, how you can be in Christ and have eternal life. God doesn't want a single person to go to hell. The Scripture says He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from His way. Are you willing to turn from your way this morning and be in Christ? Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word, and thank You for the amazing truth here.